0: Hi there, I'm Siobhan Hunt from Kindling Conversation, just popping in to let you know that our show is changing names. From January, we will be called Feed, Play, Love. While the name is changing, we'll still be the same awesome show with great parents and experts to help you on this parenting path. Stay subscribed to the Kindling Conversation podcast and you'll get updates every morning in your feed. That's all. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. This is a special summer episode of Kindling Conversation, looking back at some of the best summer tips from the show over this year. This episode features the fabulous Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids, myth-busting blue bottle and jellyfish stings, and how to keep safe in the ocean during the holidays. Summer is my favourite season. It's a time when everything feels a bit more relaxed, the days are longer, the neighbours are coming out of their houses, we're chatting over the fence, they're swimming, ice blocks, and of course, the end of year holidays. But summer also comes with its own set of health issues. There may be less flu but there are more mosquitoes, less colds, but perhaps more sunburn. With this in mind, we've put together a Kids Health Summer Series with Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids. Today we're talking about dangers in the ocean. Hi, Sarah, how are you? I'm very well. So not everyone likes a beach holiday, but as Australians, there are lots of us who do, and there are all kinds of things that can happen when we go to the beach. Let's start with the quintessential Aussie blue bottle. Ouch! So we know pretty much straight away when someone's being stung by a blue bottle because they're normally still on them. Is that right? And the pain, and the pain, the <laughs> immense, earth-shattering pain. You speak like someone who has been, has been stung.
1: You know what? Funnily enough, I haven't. Yeah. However, in the name of science, my husband was stung. Well, <laughs> I kind of asked him to. <laughs> Um, would you like to know the story? I would love to know the story, Sarah. Okay. So my daughters, my husband and I trekked down to a rather remote beach up on the uh, northern coast of New South Wales. And it was an effort to get there. It was a good 3K walk with two small kids. So, I mean, really, we were staying. <laughs> we were staying at this beach. And when we arrived and we just we walked down the cliff area to there, the entire beach was just like a sea of blue blue bottles that had washed up onto the shore. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And so we've looked at each other and said, well, we're staying. (laughs) <laughs> what else can we do apart from swim? Oh my so, goodness! Were you as, camping, or were you just no, for the day? no, just for the day, just for the day. And so, what was really interesting was there, there were some that hadn't, you know, completely dried out. That they they were there, and I said, for CPR kids, we need some pictures of these blue bottles. And so I asked my husband to pick up the blue bottle, and uh, the tentacles were very long, and he got them stuck to his arm, which hurt him a lot. Oh. And so as he was stung, I said, why don't we do a little experiment? Let's figure out whether it is ice or hot water or urine
0: that is actually helping here. I love this. And what did your husband say? He said, okay. He's like, whatever stops the pain. (laughs) That's right.
1: And, you know, he was being very brave at the time, and the girls thought it was hilarious. And we'd actually bought a small esky with us with ice. So we tried the ice, which does give relief at first, because often when you're at the beach, you don't have hot water, with you. No. No. So ice is great for pain relief, but as soon as you remove the ice, the pain's still there. So what we do know from all the evidence and we didn't actually have any hot water at the beach at the time is that we know that hot water is the best treatment when it comes to blue bottle stings. So the problem is, is that sometimes the pain can be so great that when the person goes to put their arm or whatever it is into the hot water, that they, the pain is greater than the temperature that they can feel so they can end up with burns. So it's really important that somebody who is not in pain is actually making sure that the water is okay. So it should be hot water, not hot enough to burn the person. 10 minutes in or 20 minutes in and out and then back in again. You can do this for up to two hours until the pain's relieved. And is the tentacle still on the arm at this point? So what you need to do is you need to actually wash the area in copious amounts of seawater first to get the tentacles off. You may need to pick them off. So obviously that if they're still stinging and you're picking them off, then you may end up with some certainly stings on your fingers. I've got lifeguards who say, no, 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 that's not true. I've picked them off many a person in my time, but they might have really thick skin on their hands because I certainly know other people who have picked them off and ended up stung as well. So washing them in copious amounts of seawater to get them off, not fresh water. Then hot water if it's available, urine doesn't work. <laughs> We're not going to go there. No, no, let's not. That's not. It doesn't. So there's that wives tale that urine because urine is warm, but still it's a limited resource. A bladder doesn't really hold enough to be able to give that pain relief. And you need the water a bit warmer than that as well. What about vinegar? Vinegar is for tropical jellyfish stings, such as a box jellyfish or a irigangi. So a blue bottle or Portuguese man of war is actually uh, that we have in our cooler southern waters down in New South
0: Wales, Victoria. That is not vinegar. That is hot water. Right. And so will the hot water eventually reduce the pain? So, yeah, it
1: does. It does. So that's what all the evidence shows is that the pain will be reduced greatly by using hot water. Definitely give the child or grown-up some pain relief. So some ibuprofen or some paracetamol is important. But when you need to seek medical help is that if the person is having an allergic reaction to the sting, so certainly you can definitely have an allergy or an anaphylaxis to a jellyfish sting. If the sting is actually what we call circumferential, so it goes right around a limb, because if there's swelling, it can actually end up, you know, damaging the limb as well. Or if the sting is particularly around the face or the neck, because then if we get swelling, it can interfere with our breathing, with our airway. Or if it's a child who has got an extensive sting that you cannot control the pain, off to the
0: hospital. Ah, blue bottles. Um, what about, speaking of blue, what about blue-ringed octopus? Mm. And how can you how can you tell if you've been stung by one of them? Because so they're under rocks and stuff, they right? They are, and they're tiny little beautiful little creatures as well.
1: Uh, recently, I took my daughter to swim at some natural baths, and she said, oh, Mummy, look at that pretty octopus. And I'm like, oh, that's a blue ringed. And they were brown. And as soon as it got frightened and it went away, there was this flash of blue as it swam off. And it was very, very fast. We went and swam in another part. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. But what's interesting is, is that uh, some papers actually say that the that the bite of a blue ringed octopus, bite or sting, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody who is a marine expert out there can tell us If you are stung by a blue-ringed octopus, there are some papers that say it can actually be painless. Wow. So you may not know until the person stops breathing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So the important thing, if somebody is actually stung by a blue-ringed octopus, is we are doing the same first aid as what we would do for a snake or a funnel-web spider bite, and we're actually applying a pressure bandage. So we're using a bandage that winds from the bite site all the way up the limb. It's nice and firm. And what it does, it doesn't cut off the circulation. It just slows the flow of lymph because the venom often travels in the lymph. So what we're doing there is we are then getting ready to start CPR because what will happen is the person will eventually stop breathing. And so if we can do CPR and keep that blood circulating and therefore oxygen circulating around, we're buying them time to get to the hospital and to get the treatment that they needed. Triple
0: zero, be ready to start CPR and the pressure immobilisation technique. Oh my goodness! I thought I was looking forward to going to the beach, but now maybe not so much. So let's go to something that is possibly not as um, frightening: <laughs> sea lice. Because you can swim, like you could just be swimming through, and all of a sudden you extraordinarily itchy. Is there a way of treating sea life? So what's
1: really interesting is I went to a conference up in Queensland a couple of weeks ago and there was this amazing man who basically all he does is research venomous creatures, specifically marine venomous creatures. And what we consider to be sea lice, he was saying, can often be little bits of tentacle and bits of jellyfish that are actually around in the sea. There can be other little creatures as well, but we tend to group sea lice as anything that can make us itchy or sting us a little bit. So we tend to group that together. Now, washing it off. Is an important thing. So if you have, you know, you're in your wetsuit or if you're in your rashy, and it tends to accumulate where the folds of the rashy is, then get that off, rinse off, get them off you. And it can be itchy and it can be irritating. Um, a lot of people swear by putting some vitamin E cream on. You know what? it depends really whatever works for you because it's about washing it off if you're having a reaction where you have welts you're itchy then it may well be a trip up to the chemist or the GP for some antihistamine.
0: We mentioned we were speaking about blue ringed octopus and you know the idea that you're exploring rock pools and that's how you come across those sorts of creatures what if um, your children have been exploring those sorts of areas and they've stepped on something but you don't know what it is it could be a sting it could be a cut it could be it could be a sting it could be a cut it could be any of those things. Um, What do you do if your child hobbles back to you after exploring those areas? So it's about being aware of what could potentially
1: be around. So if you're in an area where there are cone shells, where are those different things, then you're thinking, okay, then I'm going to be watching them like a hawk for a little while. If you're in an area where it's more likely that they've just cut their foot on a limpet, you know, then certainly perhaps your heightened sense of worry may not be so high. So have a look at the wound, have a look at See if there's anything in there. Have a feel, which can be tricky when you've got a screaming child in front of you. But your priorities always go back to, number one, doctors A, B, C, D. So if anything starts to happen with their breathing or they become unconscious, then we're going back to that. Otherwise, it's about looking at what's in front of you. If it's something that's bleeding we're going to stop the bleeding first. If it's something that's incredibly just painful, then we're thinking about, okay, there could be something in the wound. Maybe we need to actually go to the doctors and have a really good look at this. Wash it out,
0: stop the bleeding and have a look and give them something for the pain. Absolutely. If it's painful. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. This is part of our Kids Health Summer Series with Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids. We're talking about the dangers in the ocean. We're not going to talk about sharks because although Sarah is very talented, I'm sure we don't need to ask her what to do if we're attacked by a shark. Um, Is there anything else in the ocean that we need to be um, wary of? So apart from the fact that we can drown in the ocean, which is obviously the number
1: one thing that we need to be concerned about. So, of course, it's about water safety, keeping our kids either with arm's reach when they're little or in our direct line of sight when they're a bit older. It's about thinking about that kind of water safety. But certainly, you know what? Swim between the flags. Chat to the lifeguards, because if they if there are blue bottles around, they're going to put up the signs listen to them. Ask them. If you don't know the beach that you're going to, have a chat to them before you go in the water. They're
0: a wealth of knowledge and they'll tell you what to look out for. Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you. That's Sarah Huntstead from CPR Kids. This has been part of our Kids Health Summer Series, and we're speaking about all kinds of things from sunburn to water safety. There's a longer interview about water safety. If you'd like to hear that, just head to our website, kindling.com.au, and click on Kindling Conversation. Hi there, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and I've got some news to share. Kindling Conversation is getting a brand new name. From January, we will be known as Feed, Play, Love. Everything else will be the same. Brilliant experts and real stories from parents. Stay subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and nothing will change, except the name, of course. It's Feed, Play, Love. That's all. Thanks for listening and enjoy the next podcast.